Hey, why don't you sit down for a while? Have a seat, because we're talking about the chair today on game shows, I suppose. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Niche Podcast about the one thing that I know something about game shows, I suppose. I'm your host, Jordan Haas. Today, we are talking about the heart-pounding game show, The Chair, uh, with my friend Chris. Yes, we're still on lockdown. Yes, the world is bleak, but uh, through that comes a whole variety of game shows to talk about. But before we get to The Chair, we got to get through the news. So how are you holding up in the quarantine? Uh, this is probably going to be on for the... Look, they're saying the lockdown in California is going to be till May. I'm going to listen to everyone else and say this is going to be probably till next year and longer. So hope you stay tight. Hope you listen to this podcast. Uh, I, I guess I got to start making some game show podcasts. Now I think about it, when it comes to quarantine... A lot of the game shows in quarantine have kind of been kind of just people playing Jackbox games. Folks, there are other games besides Jackbox out there. Uh, recommend playing Tabletop Simulator with your friends if you're ever stuck in that quarantine situation. Um, game shows are going to be really tough for the next year or so, and I feel kind of bad for that. Uh, recently, I've been watching uh, The Great Escape, and they froze that production in South Korea because of COVID-19. And things just keep going from there. But uh, I guess we have to go through the news. There is news, by the way. Um, Too Hot to Handle. Netflix's new reality experiment blindsides 10 sex craze singles with a naughty twist. It's hard to put a price on self-control, but $100,000 is a decent price to start. That's the cash price up for grabs in Netflix's upcoming reality dating experiment, Too Hot to Handle, whose eight episodes first season drops April 17th. Ten smoking hot singles from all across the globe come together in paradise for what they think is going to be the sexiest summer of their lives. Keep in mind, summer, this was taped last year, only discover that money is deducted from the group's final pot for every sexual encounter that goes down. Yes, that includes kissing. Naturally, the whole shebang is hosted by a Lexa-like machine named Lana, who throws just as many wrenches into the game as the cheeky, unsuspecting players. We have one week until the show's premiere. Netflix has released the first official trailer, which offers a glimpse at the action, though we use that term very loosely. Remember the rules. As you see, some of the contestants are committed to keeping it zipped, while others loose lips threaten the everyone ship basically this is a uh what if love island or bachelor in paradise or paradise hotel but they don't fuck what if we did not see the sex and if they did do the sex they lose the money so everyone gets angry at each other for kissing because love or money or something like that look i saw the trailer a lot of people say oh this is like the circle kind of like that because you know alexa app is the host but uh, i hate it's one genre of reality game show that i hate it's 
Finding Love on an Island. I hate that genre as much as I hate road trip movies and as much as I hate like college sex comedy. Like those are like the kind of things where just like, ugh, it's so blah. It's so gl- It's like having a quiz show where it's if you get the answer correct, you get a point and that's the rule. That's it. <laughs> like nothing else. It's too bland for me. And even if it's look at the sexy people in bikinis and, and sexy abs having the sex, I don't care enough. and They don't really do good storyline with that ever. They never really do. If I wanted to see that, I would just go to Pornhub these days. Anyway, um, have you heard of this show called The Mask Singer? Well, wait till you hear about a new show called RuPaul's Secret Celebrity Drag Race, which stars are hitting the runway this month. In the promo for RuPaul's Secret Celebrity Drag Race, each episode will feature three celebrities getting dragged up by the very best returning Queen Supremes, including Alyssa Edwards, Asia O'Hara, Bob the Drag Queen, Kim Chi, Monet Exchange, Monique Hart, Nina West, Trinity the Tuck, Trixie Mattel, and Vanessa Vangemateo. But if you were hoping to find out which famous faces they'll be beating, you're out of luck. During this four-part series, the audience must tune in to find out which film, music, TV, and comedy stars will be featured in the competition. Reads the official synopsis. Each week, a trio of celebrities open up their heart and mind to the transformative power of drag. Okay. Embracing the inner fierce queen inside of them. They all step onto the runway, feeling beautiful, powerful, and inspired in their own way, realizing the drag doesn't change who they are, but reveals who they are. So, uh, I, I, I look, I, I understand the appeal of drag. What is I like? That's a, that's a new cult phenomenon show. But I thought the appeal for drag racing and the drag queen thing is because it's an entertainment. Uh, drag shows are a burlesque kind of show playing up the vanity of 1950s Hollywood starlets and the queen behavior that they act. So a lot of the people who play these roles are trying to play that caustic, flamboyant personality. I thought that was the whole point of, of like the show, is the entertainment factor, the dancing, the singing, the entertainment aspect that is paralleled with 1950. To have celebrities do that is just kind of like, okay, so they're going to get overcaked in makeup, wear a wig, uh, basically cross-dress. And then we're all supposed to be like, oh, man, I can't believe that's uh, the guy from the one sitcom. You know, he was famous on Modern Family, that guy. You know the one. Like, that's all I could think of. And it's like, look, the appeal of, of The Masked Singer was everyone's on the level playing field. And because everyone seems to forget that's the appeal for Masked Singer is someone who is a comedy actor can go up against a Grammy singer and win is fun and fascinating. And who is it? To do drag race with celebrities, you might as well just tell people who the celebrities are and then what their drag queen characters are as well. Like, that's... I don't, I don't get it. I mean, maybe they want to have the drag. I, it basically, it's just how can we get the drag queens more more airtime? Basically, that's what it seems to be uh, sparking into. That if I was RuPaul, I would just have the extras do their own drag show. Like, just have the superstars have their own sketch show or variety show and just try and pitch that instead of a 
another attempt at Drag Race. Like, have have the Trixie Mattel uh, sing show tunes hour or something. I, isn't Trixie Mattel doing, like, a vinyl? I know she's on uh, Twitch these days, so. Uh, let's see here. Uh, the answer is July. How soon will we read Alex Trebek's memoir from the rap? Alex Trebek's new memoir. The answer is Reflections on My Life. Comes out July 21st. Simon Schuster confirmed Tuesday. The upcoming book uh, about the outpouring of love and support from the 2019 announcement and its anecdotes about Trebek's own life. I can't wait. Finally, some news. Trebek has a memoir book out. I can't wait to read it. It's out in July. Uh, so let's move on here with uh, ABC News. ABC, America's broadcasting company. So, uh, as you know, they have been doing a few things here and there. Uh, American Idol has kind of been on the question mark book because they've been doing Hollywood Week. And they can't record in front of a live audience because COVID-19. But they don't want to end the show. So what's their attempt? Well, you're in luck because the network on Tuesday announced a plan to air live episodes of season 18 of American Idol with contestants singing remotely from home for America's Voices. Beginning April 26th, Idol will be coming to audiences remotely with their three judges, Ryan Seacrest, Bobby Bones, and the top 20 contestants performing for America's Vote remotely. Production for Idol's current season was shut down. So before the live episodes begin, we'll have the second part of Idol, This Is Me. Do we really need more audience backstory? I don't need backstory. The poop part especially was the weaker. We don't, we don't need the top 20 backstory. We don't. Um, so they're, they're going to do a remote show, basically. So they're going to sing from their homes. And you get to vote. And I guess it's live. I think, to me, this is kind of like I get what they're going for with this. But I feel like it's kind of horseshit. And here's why. I saw that SNL quarantine. I've seen The View. I've seen a lot of the live quarantine shows that are going on the air right now. And almost all of them, from what I am seeing, suck a lot. They are horrible to watch. I might as well be watching a Twitch stream. And you know what? That's what I've been doing instead. Because I don't want to see a square box reflecting someone's living room. Like, that's that's not, to me, entertainment. If I was to do an American Idol show, like, yeah, I guess they have to sing in their living room. Whatever. But to do it live also kind of eh, doesn't really fit for me. I feel like if you're – I think if you were going to go with one aspect of the show, you would do pre-recorded singing. You would have pre-recorded singing segments – like everyone sings their like one to two minute parts with the judges doing their reviews and that's looking like a Skype call. So you see the little squares and you see Katy Perry and it going like, oh, that was a good song. You see Lionel Richie there going like, I don't know why I'm still here. And then you see and, and, and then you see the judges and then like, oh, that was great. That was a, that was a fantastic song. I love it. It reminds me of country music. And you're like, oh, OK. Sure. Bobby Bones sits there in the corner like, why am I still here? Am I supposed am I still the replacement to Seacrest or what? And then you get through the eliminations. So when so what you see is the first because I'm guessing this is gonna be a two hour show. They're not going to make this an hour long. If it's gonna be an hour long, fine. But with twenty contestants, just give them their one to two minutes 
and then have the elimination vote be live. Because that way, you can show the videos on YouTube. You can show the videos on ABC.com, and you should encourage them to look at like the Instagram and look at the Twitter account, because these are minute-long videos. So check them out, and then have that be the interactive vote to help out Idol, because now this is... Now you're turning American Idol into a social media singing competition show instead of just dwelling this into a stage game show. Now it's a social media game show. And you can even play up the fact that, you know, a lot of singers these days got their start on online, like Chance the Rapper. Uh, th th that could work in their favor if they do it in this direction. But for what I'm gathering, they're just doing Skype call sing-alongs. And I don't want Skype call sing-along. Just give me like a minute clip of them singing and that's it. I understand they want to do a sing-along kind of thing from home and make it live because, well, isn't that fun? But you, the live aspect of Idol is not necessary. The live elimination actually is not even necessary either. Just make it a, a nice show where you see people from home. And you see them sing, and you see their supporters there, you see the hugs, you see if they win, they're hugging their family, but remember social distancing, uh, they lose, you see the more hugging, you hear everyone say goodbye, and we miss you, and all the video packages, because that's what you need, you need video packages for live broadcast, no, no. None of this works. Just give me, they have their little camera. They're singing in their bedroom. They're comfortable. Obviously, you're going to hire a good team because it's a social media team. So you're going to get like a 4K resolution camera, a good lighting kit, and a soundboard and tell them how to fix the soundboard so they can sing the song. But other than that, nothing else. What? I'm getting off trap. Um. So, you guys love summer fun and games? So, summer fun and games. Now, obviously, as I was recording this, um, like the last month or so when this was starting and, you know, COVID-19 froze the audience, Card Sharks and Supermarket Sweep were on their way and they got postponed. So, uh, some of the game shows that were meant to be airing now aren't showing up. And that's kind of a disaster in some cases. But they're still going through a summer fun and games because... There were some shows that have already been recorded in the bank, made for now. Uh, Holy Moly is returning, obviously. They returned, I think they recorded that in January. So this is Holy Moly 2, colon, the sequel, May 21st. Uh, they're now breaking it up into a, a tournament structure where it's the head-to-head -head going into the next head-to-head -head with one final winner going winning 25000 and then one big championship match with a quarter million dollar prize, which is fine. Good. Makes sense. Nice. People are going to fall in the water. We're going to laugh. Ha ha. They fell in the water. Uh, to Tell the Truth is returning because it's To Tell the Truth. No real prize money. It's just a panel in which three or one of these are in line. That's it. So that's still been going on. I think they recorded that in the fall for now. So that's good. Celebrity Family Feuds in the Bank. I think they filmed that at or in Universal Studios. That's somehow still around. I, I, I thought they actually froze that show, to be honest. I thought they they, they didn't have Celebrity Family Feud in the can. So that's a shocker to me. I'm glad it's back. Press Your Luck was the last game show to be recorded before the, the break. So Press Your Luck is in the can. 
uh, get excited for brand new spaces and brand new prizes and brand new whammies. And Elizabeth Banks saying, are you too stressed to press? And new contestants and new trivia questions and others. Uh, it's press your luck. I, I, I'm now curious if there, this can actually last to season three. Because I know season two is going to be okay, but season three is is like, are they going to just do like a from home press your luck or what? Because COVID-19 is not really derailing anytime soon. Um, and also Match Game, New York, Alec Baldwin. Now with more internet memes. Now with more that face when blank. <sighs> yep. Um, so I'm upset because no card sharks, no supermarket sleep. I was looking forward to both those shows. I loved card sharks and I love, uh, I, I like the idea of supermarket sleep, but you can't do supermarket sleep now. Obviously, uh, you can't do, uh, card sharks cause no audience. So unless you get Joel McHale to deal out the giant cards from his house and the players are Skyping in what you didn't do so that's also out of the bank um that's also a bit heartbreaking to me too because like oh man like game shows are out it got me thinking like is this the time now to like try a new game show for quarantine like free media has the rights to password so they could easily try a password game show because there's no trivia and there's no google foo so if they're gonna try that just do password uh, they also have maybe Hollywood Square. You could try Hollywood Squares, I'm guessing. Get nine celebrities to do their cameo fee and do their little webcam and p- pretend they're the squares. Works out, I'm assuming. Uh, of course, nowadays they're doing celebrity as contestants, playing for someone in their audience. So I don't, I don't know anymore. Hip hop squares and national squares broke. Um, I love for Hollywood Squares a bit. Um, but hey, with Holy Moly back, that sounds like fun. A match game, yeah, kind of weird. Like normally, when I see summer fun and games, I think one hundred thousand dollar pyramid, and that didn't get recorded. So I'm now like, oh no. But um, this is all we got. So take what you can get, because this could be it for a long time. I I mean it, like a long time savor this moment folks because game shows as much as they've returned might not return the way it is until this is over and i just want to remind people this is more serious than game shows game shows are just a tv thing it's a genre of entertainment this is not a deadly uh virus that kills people and weakens their immune system. So if you have a weak immune system already with pre-existing conditions, this makes it even worse. Uh, and finally, speaking of COVID-19, uh, Tim Brooke Taylor passed away uh, over the week. And I, I know it's like, well, who the hell is Tim Brooke Taylor if I'm an American? I have to. This is for me. I was a big fan of British comedy. I like, you know, like Monty Python. But what I really like is the goodies. I think the goodies is better than Monty Python. But don't tell anyone that. I might get, you know, wags of the finger. But I, I love the goodies. And Tim Brooke Taylor was one of the members of the troupe, the goodies. And there, he did radio drama. Like, to me, I like radio plays. I like the idea of messing with audio a lot. Because 
sometimes you know you're on the ride and you listen and it's funny or there's like there's not a lot of radio plays these days especially in the world of podcasting i mean like except for like live action role playing games and some things like uh like night vale i guess like but there's not a lot of dramas played with radio and uh, I listened to, uh, I'm sorry, I'll read that again. And it was just skits and sketches that were like read out and played out. And this was funny. And this is like stuff from the 70s and 80s. And I was like, whoa, this is funny stuff. And we don't really get that these days. Unless it's like a funny skit in a rap album or a comedy album. And even those aren't really that funny. But this was great. And then they did a mock panel game show called I'm Sorry, I Haven't a Clue. And Tim Brooke Taylor uh, was one of the hosts, and then he became uh, one of the mainline contestants of of this fake panel game show uh, where there really was no scoring. There is, it's not even a game show, I would say. This is not even something that could be talked about on this very game show podcast, but it really did like spark a creative uh, block in my head when I first listened to it. It is still one of those things I go back to whenever I need uh, just that that distraction in the world of stress because it's just musical puns. It's all those hashtag games from At Midnight before they took over the, the you know, Ice Cream a Movie or uh, Clothing Store books it's like those have all been done before on I'm sorry I haven't a clue. I at midnight ripped this this game off and to me like this is the real deal and Tim Brooke Taylor was one of those writers that knew what was up and I'm sorry I haven't a clue it, it, it had a huge effect on me and the I know like he passed away at the age of 79, so you're always going to go like, oh, well, he was old, whatever. But he had this longevity. He was a creative, like, anchor. He is a creative inspiration to me. And he knew, like, the he knew what comedy was in, like, what is the hook of a joke? What is the main line? He basically destroyed the panel game show format as well as reinventing it with this silly sketch-based panel game show atmosphere. Because he knew, like, people watch panel game shows because it's the comedian saying something funny and doing, like, the blooper before giving the correct answer. But what if the show never gives the correct answers, it's just played for laughs, and they never follow through with a correct answer? And that frustrates the host, and clearly the host is frustrated because nothing ever goes his way. Like, that is usually how this game works. It plays up the sexism of the the show model not being able to speak or be seen. Uh, It plays up the the game show host atmosphere because of the UK game show host, you know, the Bruce Forsyth or the Bob Monkhouses. They play that up with the, they have to say the one-liners and nothing ever really hits. And now they know about it. Like, that's what made the show work. And Tim Brooke Taylor, as a writer, understood that. And that's what's so heartbreaking about this. It's someone that I liked a lot in the world of comedy passing away from this. And, like, it, it's it, it's such a... It's heartbreaking as well. And 
that's why to me i say like what's more important life or game shows you pick life and like seeing someone who i find is one of the greats pass away from this it it really did like bum me out for the rest of the week so uh i i i wish uh anyone friends and family of Tim Brooke Taylor all the best i know it's like a weekly thing now where I end the news segment on a, on a negative note, but it happens. Anyway, let's start today's episode. It's almost been 40 years since an iconic event in sports history. It all began June 22nd, 1981. In a first-round match in Wimbledon, Tom Gillickson took on John McEnroe. With one play, they would become iconic history as tennis umpire Edward James ruled that a ball went out. One John McEnroe, who was famous for being cocky in the world of tennis, decided to call out the umpire, saying, Excuse me. You cannot be serious, man. You cannot be serious. Getting angry at the umpire. That ball was on the line. Chalk flew up. It was clearly in. How can you possibly call that out? How many are you going to miss? He's walking over. Everyone knows it's in. This whole stadium and you call it out? Explain that to me, will you? You guys are the absolute pits of the world. McEnroe was docked a point for this outburst and later fined $1,500 and threatened with a disqualification in Wimbledon. The crowd, however, eventually applauded his complaints and replays appeared to show that McEnroe was in the right. Despite this controversial statement, he went on to win Wimbledon, defeating Bjorn Borg in an epic final to become the first of three Wimbledon titles in the four years. John McEnroe, an athlete who was able to talk like it is to keep a cool head and keep that cockiness in a level that would become an infamous sign of his celebrity john McEnroe would become the face of an iconic abc game show with a famous chair no it's not who wants to be a millionaire although it did come around the same time as that this was a pseudo secondary game show to that one made in New Zealand rather than America. And with a race against the clock against rival networks, one challenge began with the heart-racing game show known simply as The Chair. Tonight, Chris Lane stops by to talk about The Chair. Let's turn the tables. With me on the line is recurring guest and friend of the show, Chris Lane. Welcome back. I am the returning champion. Returning champion here. You may answer the question. You may not answer the question. You may answer the question. Homestar one-off. What about Homestar Runner? That's my answer. Homestar Runner is correct. Yay. Alrighty, so uh, are you nervous? Are you are you nervous right now? Well, you should be nervous. This is the chair. This is the that chair. was in the line. 
It's a it gets the line. It's the chair, not to be confused with the chamber. That Fox game show where the contestants get like burnt and chilled and they get hypothermia and then get hurt. Now this is the chair, the show that was the original format, and Fox ripped it off, much like uh, you know how how Fox did like the the choice when when the voice was a thing. Yeah, because there was that was so. Uh... That was so uh, uncopyrightable, you know, <laughs> the choice, the voice. There was no uh, infringement there at all. It was, it's a spinning chair. That's all you need. I do that at work all the time. Yes. I mean, like, and uh, to answer your question before the show, you asked uh, what was the job. The job was a CBS reality show where there was a <laughs> occupation on the line that was like a prestigious job. Like, oh, man, you get to be like the the head concierge at a hotel and you to see who gets the job of like five people who have the same resume they have to go through funny physical challenges like at their like the apprentice style like you have to be concierge desk people or you have to uh come up with like uh, a cool event and then they would have funny things like they actually do the job interview where they were on stage and their resume is like brought up like, oh, you speak three different languages. Can you show us you speaking French? And then they, they get caught and uh-oh. And in each round, you- one person who is the weakest gets eliminated. And then as a big twist, one of three rival companies will offer up a a job to a contestant before leaving. Are you pulling my tape, Like It only lasted two episodes. Lisa Lang hosted it. I must have been asleep. Oh, it's okay. It was on at 10 o'clock on CBS. So yeah, of course you were. Um, and the, this is not the episode for the job. I think I'll save that for like maybe one of the people from Street Fight or something. Uh, this is instead uh, The Chair. The show with John McEnroe that aired in 2002. Now, I got to say this. Everyone knows the John McEnroe version because Americans do to do to do. But I kind of had to break the news that I think the original format is actually New Zealand. Well, I thought the uh, American was the first one. And then I thought that after that, it was brought to England and France. I didn't even know there was a version from New Zealand until just now. I'm going to read the report from January 4th, 2002 from the New Zealand Herald. Uh, An Auckland television production company is suing American giant Fox TV because it says it's stolen the idea for a new game show. Touchdown Productions claims Fox Television, owned by Rupert Murdoch's News Corps, with an annual turnover of $9 billion, uh, uh, which is $21.1 billion uh, New Zealand. Uh, stole its idea for the show, The Chair. Touchdown's founder, Julie Christie, who we'll coin as the creator of this show, claims Fox, maker of Simpsons, X-Files, and Allie McBeal, <laughs> remember that dancing baby, um, is who rushing to produce who? a rival show, <laughs> The Chamber, based on her pitch. Papers were filed in U.S. District Court in L.A. yesterday, seeking a halt to Fox's production in unstated punitive damages. Oh, come. I, you know what? I, I'm rooting for Julie on this one. Because <laughs> just imagine if this show came out the chamber. Oh, my. Mm. Both <laughs> shows require contestants to wear heart monitors. They most contain a calm heart rate while answering general knowledge questions. Not really. Not on the chamber. The chamber, that was just kind of for safety reasons. Yeah. The, yeah. Contestants lose points. Well, kind of. If they hesitate. 
if their heart rate goes above a certain number of beats a minute. Not really. No, in the uh, in the chamber, it's if it goes a certain amount, the doctors have to pull you out and you lose everything. The suit claims Fox intends to screen the first episode of the chamber as early as Wednesday. I think they did. 23 page shoot says if Fox of the Chambers aired before the chair touchdown will forever be deprived of the opportunity to produce its first of a kind program. Instead, Fox will receive credit for a new genre television game show using touchdowns concepts. Well, I'm not going to war. I'm I'm just going to speak out right now. Both shows kind of got canceled after their first season. So not really. Did they like, I mean, how many episodes were they even were even aired and produced for the, for these for, for the chamber or for the, for the chair? Let's go for both. Why not? Because the chamber, I believe, was about eight, maybe ten episodes. Because they did preview later episodes, which never aired. One involving electricity and one involving bugs. Uh, and as for the chair, I believe they actually went through their f- full first season, but and they were about to do the casting for season two when, well, nothing really got excited and I, I think they figured well we can just uh do i think no if i'm not mistaken i think this is when bachelor debuted it was right around this time and they saw the ratings for the bachelor were higher than the chair so they decided to just okay i'm doing a sad you mean to tell me that the bachelor beat out the chair yeah the bachelor so you mean to tell me that if the bachelor never started we could still be watching the chair today if the bachelor never existed because if i'm not mistaken Bachelor debuted in 2002. The Chair debuted in 2002. If The Bachelor didn't have high ratings and wasn't this cult phenomenon where people were like, ooh, ah, with... I forgot the first Bachelor's name. I think that was... Uh, I was about to say Andrew. But I don't trust think... me, it doesn't... Trust me, it doesn't matter. Uh, the, the Chair might have been in a season two pickup. You know what? The early 2000s were crazy because thanks to that reality show, that's why television today 2020 is still flooded with that shit touchdown has also made the weakest link treasure island in weddings developed the chair last year in new zealand we saw that episode we saw that very episode for for this uh which were made in pitch and then for pilots were made in pitch to fox and other american networks in november now that was where mackerel stops in because he had to fly to new zealand to do the pilot miss christie says fox liked the idea from the start they pursued vigorously for two weeks after the pitch, saying they would do anything to get it, but they didn't, so they obviously decided to rip it off because it went over to ABC instead of Fox. Speaking of LA, Christie said Touchdown has decided to sell 13 episodes of The Chair to ABC Network to replace Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. <laughs> Could you imagine? <laughs> wow, who needs Millionaire when you got The Chair? Yeah, especially since Millionaire is coming back again. Yeah, and where's that huge revival for the chair that people are clamoring for? Well, there's, well, I am, but, you know. We felt that ABC would remain truest to our version of the show. Uh, pre-production in LA has already been sold to Australia, France, and Germany. Uh, it would screen on TV2 in May. Uh, so th- that was the news and when it broke. The uh, chair UK debuted August 31st, 2002. Uh, and that one was that was only on for about what two months over in the UK. It wasn't on long there either. Yeah, that was it. Uh, and then uh, the John McEnroe version was summer two thousand two, if I'm not mistaken, was when that aired. I be- I, I believe so. Now it, it's such a weird thing because there is some essentially. I the 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 too long didn't watch version. Okay, they're saying ABC was January fifteenth two thousand two to March twelfth two thousand two. Okay, it checks out. So. 
the basis is uh, you start out, if you go through seven questions and answer every question correctly, you win the top prize. Uh, Which was a a nice quarter mil. A nice quarter mil. We'll do the American version because it's easier for everybody here. Um, You start out with $5,000. You get $5,000 free just for sitting in a chair. When you sit in the chair, it spirals up, and you get to meet host John McEnroe. It which makes no sense why you're going up in, when when and meeting, I guess, Satan, because there's a flaming wall of fire. We're not kidding. There is a wall of fire. Nice. You know, it's like it reminds me a little bit of because it's a ring of fire. It reminds me of animals in a circus having to go through it. Yes, you are in it, and I think it's supposed to be heat, so you get a little exhausted, and that's supposed to ramp up the heart levels. Uh, hey, see, for some people, that would probably do the opposite. Some people find fires like real soothing, like when you're at like a uh, if you're at a bonfire or something. So it's like kind of weird. Uh, and John Macaro would basically be an antagonist, like, "Oh, you think you're so smart because you are a uh, you 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 teach you're a little league coach, aren't you? You think you're a better athlete than me because you do little league." Now, of course, you also have to realize this was also around the same time that the legend herself, Ann Robinson, was into play. So the idea of a kind of a smart-ass host was kind of a big deal in the early 2000s. It's no Cookie Masterson, I'll tell you that much. But <laughs> So you get through uh, one question, and you get $5,000, but there's a catch. You have a heart rate. They, they tested your resting heart rate. And then they decided uh, 60% of your res- uh, above that, do the math, uh, would be your red line level. If at any point you go above it, uh, you suddenly you cannot answer the question and you start losing money, which which kind of has some elements of like the money drop, a uh, mix of uh, the money pump, five minutes to a fortune, I would say as well. Right, yeah. I'm trying to think of other games where there was that ticking money clock. And if the money clock goes to zero at any point, the game is over and you lose everything. Coincidentally, Another- if you get a question wrong, you also lose everything. Unless, of course, there's a stabilize. And uh, other than that, there's no. there was originally no reason to back out. Uh, the original rules format says you can't walk away with the money. But in the American John McEnroe version, you can. Yeah, so it's like kind of weird because there, there were some points where it was like, okay... I got some money. I stabilized. I don't know the next question, so I'm just going to take a wild guess, and then I'll just leave with the money. Boop, 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 boop. In the uh, New Zealand version, uh, the original pilot, uh, there is uh, the two heart stoppers are not the heart stoppers that we're familiar with, but we'll get to that soon. First question, $5,000. You lose $100 a second that you redline. Question two is for $10,000. That means it doubles the money from 10000 to 20000 with another $100 a second. Get to question three, which is a visual question. You get to see a whole bunch of images, and then you get told, like, what is the word shown? Uh, yeah, very, pretty much very rapid-fire visuals and very quick short-term memory recognition. And usually around either question two or question three, typically question two, uh, there will be the heart stopper! Jump scare. And uh, if we're talking New Zealand version... There is no jump scare. There is no shock and awe. It's a quick because, fire round. Because this kind of, because that kind of stuff is so American. 
in the U- New Zealand version, and I believe the UK version, if I'm mistaken, you yeah, got 45 seconds to answer as many questions as you can. For every question you get right, your heartbeat goes up one beat. So you can save your red line, so you can save yourself uh, some beats when the questions tick her down. Their second heart stopper is for money for your stabilize, but we'll get that in just a bit. Because in our version, because we're f- I'm fucking American. Yeehaw, America! America. We decided, no, we can't just uh, have a question. We're stupid. We can't do questions and speed round questions. What if we just uh, drop an alligator? What if, we just, what if we just scare the shit out of you instead? What if we get a plexiglass and we tell John Mike and Roe to try and serve a tennis ball and fucking miss <laughs> until his third attempt is just he just throws the ball? <laughs> what if we drop a python? Because I guess they're trying to do a fear factor. I... And the, the, it makes no sense other than if you redline, you lose money. So while in the in the New Zealand version, redlines were supposed to help you out or hurt Here you. Here in the U.S., they were trying to mess with you. They're trying to mess with you so you lose money. Right. Their whole goal is so you lose money. And it's like, uh, I don't know. So after question three, we go to question four. Another fantastic question, which is in our multiple choice. Uh, they're all multiple choices most of the time. And it is worth $25,000. If you've done the math correctly at this point, it kind of checks out. You're now at $50,000. Uh, 40, 50, 50, 60,000. You're at $60,000 with this question. Uh, with $300 a second. But then we go to question five for 40000 A nice round number, 40000 In other versions, it, this is when the mounts start getting a little goofy. <laughs> um, and it, you have to list a certain amount, like name... Uh, th- three uh products made by Apple computers. Uh, or name any two songs by the Beatles. Like it's usually something that's a list. And remember, an unfinished list is unfinished business. But uh, if you're wrong ever on the list, just once, it's over. And if you incomplete the list or redline during it, you can't say anything until. Your heartbeat goes Calm the hell down. And that's when the home audience is screaming at the TV, calm the hell down. And right before this question, this big list answer, you can stabilize. Usually it's after question three uh, is to stabilize. I think I, I screwed up, though. Que- multiple choice, question one. Question two is multiple choice. Question three is uh, image question. Stabilize. Right. Actually, if I can actually break the format, that I'm actually going to do it live right now, Chris. I'm sorry. You keep talking about the show. I think I can break it down. Ready? Here it is. Question one, multiple choice. Question two, multiple choice. First heart stopper. Question three, image question. Stabilize or no stabilize? Question four, multiple choice. Uh, question five, right before it, is the decision. You can give up $25,000 and you won't drop your eight. Question five is a list question. After that list question, heart stopper, final heart stopper. We move on to question six, which is a multiple choice. And then we have a final question, where if, uh, which is another multiple choice. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Every question, you lose 5%. Uh, I think that's about it. That's, 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 there's the format. <laughs> so yeah, that's $40,000. Six is worth 50000 at 500 a second. And we just got to get through this one, because I think this is the make or break of the show. Final question is $100,000. You have $150,000. You can walk away in our version. But if you keep playing, $1,000 a second lost. And I think a couple of times we have seen it 
where it is a contestant is just near the end and suddenly you may not answer the question. Everyone's like, hurry, be calm, be calm. Well, you know how you know how it is. Whenever somebody tells you, oh, relax, calm down, it's like, bang, suddenly, oh, yeah, wow, I'm relaxed now. Especially when it's coming from John McEnroe. Calm down! Uh, in the U.S. version, contestant redlining during a heart stopper is not officially over the heart stopper until their re- their heart rate uh, goes back into the safe zone. Uh, after answering $15 a question, they can stabilize. During the rest of the game, they would exercise this option after a correct answer. If they missed the question or received three warnings, they would leave with the money one of the... Oh, that's right. Forgot to say the big important rule. You have to keep your eyes open at all times. Especially during the heart stoppers because that's the whole point of it. You gotta look at the spooky ghost. Uh, this is such a weird show. I'm looking at the... There is... You can look at the official website for the chair on abc.com. Uh... This is oh my god! I feel like this is old school. This is, it is so old, old. It's it, hey, the internet was a very different place eighteen years ago. Look at this! Look at this website. I'm showing. I'm showing the computer right now. That's how. That's how a lot. That's how all the websites looked back then. Hide your fear. Keep your cool. Remain calm. <laughs> Deal what it takes <laughs> to make it to the hot seat and hold serve against Mac. Go against Mac about the show. Oh look, primetime. The Bachelor. Mold two. That's right. Oh my god! I don't think any of these work. Uh, the game. Can I click on any of these? All right. Let me read the official press release for the chair from the ABC.com website. <clears throat> In the chair, John McEnroe, a player famed for his intensity and relentless pursuit of perfection, will present contestants with the ultimate test in self-control. They'll be attached to a heart monitor and questioned, interrogated, if you will, by Mac. <laughs> A contestant who can answer correctly without his heart rate exceeding a predetermined range will win big money and stay in the game. But if he can't keep his emotions in check and his heart rate in line, his winnings will slowly disappear. In each episode, contestants take their turn in the hot seat and are asked their answer general knowledge questions while strapped to a heart rate monitor. If a contestant answers the questions correctly and if his heart rate stays below the target, his money increases and the game continues. If a contestant loses his cool and his heart rate's out of control, however, he'll begin to lose the money he's won. The contestant will be able to answer new questions until his heart rate drops below the target. His time in the chair will end when he answers a question incorrectly, or if his prize winnings run out. In addition to the questions, surprises throughout the show will catch the contestants off guard, further testing their ability to remain calm under the intense spotlight. <laughs> I, I, there's a oh my god if you want to be a contestant go to uh beat the chair at go.com <laughs> <laughs> this is oh a totally god. different uh, uh if you are in the los angeles area <laughs> be a contestant on the chair i uh, i'm not i want to just play i just want to be on million could you, could you imagine filling that out now and just to see where it goes i want to yes i'm gonna do it right now let's see here <laughs> Gotta love the Wayback Machine. Oh, I can't. Aw, <laughs> oh, come on. Go.com. Uh, oh, no. Oh, yeah, that was, that oh, was in no. the era when ABC oh, was part of... No. Oh, I, I feel like this is a for, distraction. I'm sorry, but... Uh, I totally forgot. That was the era when ABC was part of the... What the hell is that? 
This is the go. I clicked the link. I clicked. Look, this is what I did. I clicked beat the chair. I go.com. I click it. I got to this. Uh, you know, oh, you know what that was? Hey, uh, the Dow Jones is up. It is now. Uh, oh, NASDAQ is at one, <laughs> went up 1,487 points today. That's great. Uh, it's only at 12,000. Oh, look, a big day. Uh, you, oh, you know, suicide attack in Israeli hotel in Kenya. Suicide attacker strike hotel in Kenya. Uh, twin attack reminiscent of Al Qaeda's well coordinated 1980 assaults. Interceptions feel Patriots 2012 win over Lions. Oh no, Chris. What? Michael Jordan made it clear he's going to retire for good this season. Oh, come Michael on. Jordan said Thursday he will retire for the third and final time. Oh my god. I know a t- I t- tough. Can't believe it. Uh, <laughs> what were we talking about again? <laughs> Well, I think we were talking about the Go Network, which was what ABC used to do back in the day. For those of you that may remember the early days, the ABC websites. I'm for. I think that was pre. Was that pre Disney? I think so. I'm on the ABC radio. Good network. morning, Americans. What the? What was that? Good morning, <laughs> Americans. Sean Hannity, American Country Countdown. This is the hardest working man in radio. ABCRadio.com. What the? What the fuck did you just click? I, I, look, I, I, I don't know. America listens to ABC, though. Uh, oh, boy. You can, oh, that, that doesn't hold up well. <laughs> What's that? I can't see. News and talk, music and sports, and if you want to listen to Tavis Smiley, he's under Urban. Okay, we can continue now. Wow, that's, uh, okay, well, the fun part about the chair is that the contestants, there's a lot of flavor text in the show. Contestants are called contenders, much like Mastermind. Uh, they're, they have a supporter, or sorry, a companion. Their, 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 their supporter is called a companion. Uh, and a precursor to the days of Millionaire, instead of sitting in the audience going like, Hi, John McEnroe, they get to do the greatest bit in the history of game shows. They get to sit in a green room, stare at a television, and scream at it like they were on Gargobox. Just like you were at home watching watching somebody you knew, you know, on you, know, you are watching you're... someone watching someone at home going, come on, stay calm, I believe. It's, all, it's, kind, it's kind of like Big Brother. <laughs> and and it's great because they are on these CRT monitors located in the studio right next to the chair that's on the second floor f- platform above a ring of fire right next to another spinning away of lights where there's like an alligator and a python and hammers and a, sw- and a swinging axe. Uh, <laughs> what am I missing here? Fireworks, pyro. Sounds kinky. A, a cannon. You're, you're not making it any better. Uh, <laughs> trying to figure out what else was missing. Uh, that's the exploding pinata. Oh, there was a pinata that exploded, <laughs> and, and no candy came out. And no candy came how out you, in the second heartstopper. How heart you gonna stopper, have a fucking pinata and no candy come out? In in New Zealand rules, the second heartstopper, uh, it's five hundred dollars if you're right, five hundred dollars if you're wrong, with another minute on the clock in seven questions, uh, which meant that that was the stabilizer is basically your safe haven. So they're trying to make it so stabilize is your one and only chance to bail out. Otherwise, you have to go through all seven questions. Right. Which I don't know. I kind of like that format a bit more for the show. I think it would have I think it would have been uh, interesting to have one of each or even two of one and one of the other. 
oh, like uh, one is like a heart stopper and then a uh, stable. Well, you know what I would well, what I would have liked to have seen with the uh, the American heart stoppers is one of the problems was is that you were they were always being warned when it was about to happen. They should have had it just come by surprise. Like, it it's supposed to be a jump. Any, it's supposed to be a jump scare. Have, it could have happened at any time. You could even have been in the middle of answering a question and the jump scare could have happened to freak you out. I think that would have been a little bit more effective. I like that, but I don't. I I'm trying to figure out the rules here because that was the only thing that was been through my mind for like the last 48 hours. Is just like if there was like a way to revive the chair. Because the thing about the chair in America that I love so much is they play what I call the Jordan uh, game show top prize. Because everyone who knows me knows my favorite top prize in game shows is a quarter million dollars. Because that is just enough that you can... It's a, it's a life-changing amount of money, quarter million dollars. But unlike a million dollars that's a million dollars, it's not as dramatic of a prize. That you can actually have some free-form fun with it. Right. And for a show like this, this is exactly that in between. It's not intense, serious, and it's freeform fun. There, I was thinking it. What I was thinking it should be for the chair was it should be like if I was to do it. I I know we're jumping like the gun here, but it, it's always worth discussing. Like I think it needs to be something where it is kind of like a. It shouldn't be like a answer the question, go up the money ladder game. I think it needs to be a say hold on to the money like million dollar money drop kind of game or one thousand so heartbeats. Want, so you would want them to start off at the maximum and go down. Yes. So for each question, you lose like a thousand, two thousand, three thousand, four thousand, five thousand, and it's like five questions or or and it's like the the, the more you get, uh, the harder it gets, and then in between and then like. You drop the, uh, you make it so there's no uh, list game and no uh, image game. Something that can throw them off. I don't want any questions that can throw off a contestant, but I want it to be kind of like a like 15 question format. Like I want millionaire five four three two one. Like the first five questions, you lose a thousand. The next four questions, you lose two thousand. The next three questions, you lose three thousand. The next two questions is four thousand. Fifth and final question is five thousand uh, dollars. You're not losing your red line amount except for at every level, and twice, uh, and once per level there is a surprise. And when I mean surprise, I'm getting rid of oh no snakes and spiders. I don't want oh no snakes and spiders. I don't want pain. I don't want electrocution or anything like sinister well no one's getting electrocuted i want it so it is like uh if if like one random question uh just suddenly like lights go out like just like a like or the or like a or something funny like a big balloon is start inflating just slowly inflating (laughs) just a comedic amount uh there's something that's like silly. You can't like something that is like nerve wracking, but not like to the contestant, just in general. Kind of like nails on a chalkboard kind of. Oh, God. No, 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 no. no, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> I'd rather have the python kissing me in the neck. No, <laughs> no. Come on. I, I'd rather. I'd rather. Uh, no, no, no. I can't. No. You know what? You know what it is? Nails on the chalkboard don't bother me. You know what bothers me the most when you're taking a packet, a thing out of a box and it's wrapped in uh, styrofoam? And you pull out the styrofoam and it screeches against the cardboard box. 
Oh yeah, that that nice uh, effect. It's like <laughs> yeah, that's what goes up my spine. So what if we? Yeah, it's just that. Just like let's dump uh, styrofoam peanuts on the contestant. Okay, now you're making it sound like whammy. Nah, nah, just uh, what I want is so it's like at every level the heart rate goes down, uh-huh. but then uh, there's the ability to stabilize at like at like ten percent, twenty percent, twenty five little levels where they can walk away. Mm-hmm. So you survive the first five questions, and so now you can stabilize. You survive the next four questions, you can stabilize, and then there's like an ability in the like at the end of each round to raise your heart rate back up or rebuild your bank in some regard. So you're safe. That's where my head was at when coming up with like a, if you're doing the chair. But honestly, when I look at things like 1,000 Heartbeats and other game shows, I don't really like the idea of a chair. I think if any, well, I think that's the problem with the chair is it's the chair. You don't really get much fun sitting in the chair answering the questions with the heartbeat. Well, I mean, <laughs> that depends. Well, first of all, what I liked about it was the way that the chair was like a recliner, like reclined back. It's a dentist that, chair. <laughs> well, what I liked about it was because of the angle. You know, if you were a little bit on the heavy side, all the skin slide back when you're when they have that angle on. So you look like you had a facelift. <laughs> And also, that's a negative, though, because when they leaned back, they had the background. And some versions, the UK version, New Zealand version, it looked nice. It looked like there was, like, a background behind the contestant. Mm -hmm. And the American version, it looked like uh, flashing lights on the floor to the point of, I might have to, like, put in the epilepsy warning. (laughs) Well, okay, so it was Saturday Night Fever. Yeah, it just, like, it was, like, nauseating sometimes. (laughs) <laughs> uh no i think like something where it is like if if you were doing a chair kind of show it's 15 questions and it's kind of like i would keep the resting heart rate but no oh no snakes and spiders challenge more like uh just stand there and get the next five right or something along the lines of like i hate to like what downfall did where there's a time limit a time crunch something to keep something going where it would increase the pressure, which is what 1,000 Heartbeats was. There was always a ticking clock with the heartbeats. Right. Which is what made that show a little better. You were here for that episode. <laughs> so there's nothing... <laughs> I I was. <laughs> uh, but I like for the chair, it's, a, it's the money ladder approach. I think I would just do a ticking money clock. Like if you lose, you lose the money. But you have a stabilized, so if you're wrong at any time, you go back to the original amount. But you need to get the first five questions correct to win. And of course, the first five questions would be like millionaire five first five questions. Yes. Like uh, what is and there seven should, times these two? Should not just be like no duh questions. These should be kind of like uh, real like fifty fifty type questions. Like uh, two possible answers, then three possible answers, then four possible answers. So it, that's where the toughness goes in with more possible answers. The greed mechanic of more answers means tougher question. Of course. Uh, and just like, so it's like 50-50. And then it's like, uh, Jonas uh, Lawrence, which is the last name of a popular boy band group from the 2000s? I'd like to phone a friend. Uh, no, you may not answer the question. You can't tell me what to do. I'm grown. That ball was in the line. Or have something where if you were wrong, instead of the game ends, you lose like a big chunk of money. Like it should be a money clock format. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, as opposed to going upwards. Instead of going upwards, it's going downwards. And yeah, I understand. A big There's a big debate in game show worlds of if there is a guaranteed prize at the start and the money is taken away, why would contestant, why would the audience still watch a show when the money's less? Like, will you still watch like towards, when you suddenly like see them at like $40,000 left? Right. Like towards, the, like towards the end when they only have a couple of grand left, why would anybody still be interested at that point? That, that's kind of the big debate that people have. Uh, but that, that, that's where my head is. It's like, that's the only problem I have with my like ideas. Well, then that means like, stay tuned. Uh, you're playing for $80,000 left. <laughs> Good remorse. We have to go to a commercial, but when we come back, we'll find out if you win, they're $500. <laughs> you're going down $100 a second. Do, 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 do. But that's why I'm thinking like, it should be a thousand. Like it should be like that final question, that $1,000 a second. Mm. Because if you're starting at a quarter million, and it's easy, like it's it's no red line, uh, you should be okay. But I would make sure the red line amount is very like middling. Like if you have like eighty, let, let's go for like a hundred beats per minute, because I think that's we'll say that's the average heartbeats, which I think is not good. <laughs> but I would say like if you start at a hundred as your resting rate, uh, it should be like at one forty, and then go one thirty, one twenty, one ten. That's it. <laughs> like, I'm not trying well, to reinvent the wheel here. I'm just trying to reinvent the chair. <laughs> okay, well, would you keep it as a dentist chair or what? I want... Okay, I for me, I do not want it to be an office chair. It should be a gaming chair. It needs to be a... Well, gaming chair would be funny. I would... Like I said, if my original pitch is, I would just get rid of the chair and just make it like, the, like a... But if we had to do the chair with a chair, it would either have to be a gaming chair... Or it would have to okay, be so, okay. So wait a minute. So you want so you want to have a revival of the chair, but you want to do away with the chair? Yes, because I like the idea of the heartbeats and the money and the questions. I like that. But the chair and the Ono snakes and spiders and pyro and all that. I know. Okay, so okay, so what would they? What would the contestant be on? Sitting on, standing on what? Uh, standing on a podium, like standing in the like we're still doing the height here, right? We're doing like downfall. Like, think Downfall, or think, like, uh, Ellen's Game of Games. Like, they're standing on a very high podium still. Stay tuned for the next episode of The Podium. <laughs> Take the stage. Um, and there you go. You can call it high stakes, because they're standing very high and all that. Um, but, but so, if it was the chair, it either have to be a gaming chair, like you said, or a very boring, uncomfortable office chair. Get, like, a, get like a, a, a car table chair. Like a folding chair, yeah, or a kindergarten kindergarten chair. Not a kindergarten chair. Uh oh, you know what would be actually funny? Just a stool. We'll stand on this stool. You have to sit on an ottoman. The ottoman. Uh, <laughs> let's. Who will survive? Oh, oh, you know what? They could sit like in a a shopping cart. The shopping cart. Have like uh, a big ass shopping cart and just sit in the front. You know, like like you were a kid. They would. I mean, like the. They would sit in a uh, office chair. I would say like an office chair, like a like a boring ass like bore, like forty dollar office chair. You get staples at the cheap end. That is really <laughs> uncomfortable. It spins slightly, but no real lumbar support to speak of. Sounds like my office. You should come. You should take some of ours. We call them the Lego chairs. Exactly, because now you're uncomfortable and you want to get out, yes. but you want to keep playing. But that's the only level of torture you have. 
and you have to make it feel as static as possible. You have to make it feel uncomfortable, but not torture. That's where I'm aiming for if you're doing a chair revival. Like DMV. We're talking DMV. I want to get out of here. This is boring the shit out of me, but this is big money I'm losing. Ouch. You have to sit on one of those workout chairs, those workout balls. Yes. (laughs) Sit on a yoga ball. (laughs) But it's made of like concrete. Like, so you're those, those little uh, sh- the concrete balls at the Target when you go to Target, yes. you know those little red balls. To, no, yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, the, the, that's where I'm kind of aiming for with with if I was doing a chair revival is it would have to be like static, feel like uncomfortably. Du- I'm not saying dull in in a mean way. I'm trying to say dull in a. It feels like this is tedious and tr- like you want these pe- like the, not not for the audience because the if for the audience it's a fast paced quiz show, but for the contestant they feel like it's like get me the fuck out of here. I just is I want this is hurting my legs to sit in this chair. It's very low to the ground. <laughs> I'm picturing that episode of The Simpsons where they got those uh, those. Uh, what's the phrase you know the chairs that are like supposed to adjust your posture yes those posture chairs yeah miss hoover mom getting spasms oh uh and 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 that's where i would be thinking it's just like that those uncomfortable chairs and uh, and gaming chairs i mean those would work too but those are not if they're made of of concrete go back to the concrete you want a concrete chair a throne it's like you're sitting on the front step yes it's the stoop (laughs) Who's going to survive the stoop? That was uh, called 227 back in the day. The, uh, the, the, the chair, though, it's very a fascinating show, though, because of the questions. John McEnroe. How was John McEnroe as a host? Uh, a lot. Well, that depends on what version you're watching, as far as I'm concerned, because he hosted both U.S. and England. Uh, the U.S., he was a little bit more of his typical self, you know, what we know of McEnroe. Uh, a little bit sarcastic, a little bit, you know, bitchy. Uh, not as, you know, he, ironically, not as severe as he was when he was on the courts. Over in uh, England, however, he was kind of more mellowed out. It was kind of unsettling. To a point where it was like... Uh... To the point where that was worse, because it was like, okay. Because when, when you have a psycho that's acting really calm, it's like, wait, when's he going to snap? And that's where it, it becomes interesting. Uh, it kind of hit me, though, when we, when we watched the New Zealand version, because the original host was Matthew Ridge, and he was a rugby player originally. So it seems like they were trying to go for the athletic host in a lot of these formats. Uh, okay, well then, well, who hosted the one from, uh, what was it, France and Germany, right? Yeah, uh, yes, Fra- you want the French and German version? Well, were they all uh, former athletes, or was it... I think, uh, I'm, I'm going to double check here. Uh, that, uh, yeah, that's a good question. Look, that's a good question. I'm going to quickly go, look it up that, on Wikipedia. I hate to do Wikipedia off this, but... Well, uh, you better well, you better keep calm, because you're losing about $500 I, I need to, now. <laughs> I'm closing my eyes. You can't keep them closed. I'm opening up. Okay. Uh, Jean-Pierre Foucault uh, was the French host. Uh, he hosted Who Wants to Be a Millionaire as well. Uh, he's okay. So he was an established game show host. Now. Game show host, uh, Matt Ridge, the chair originally. Uh, let's see here. Germany was Pierre Kuzmach. Uh, he's a German actor in in, in game show. Uh, he's famous for also being a sports presenter and then doing stuff in soaps. Okay, so he was a, bro- a sports broadcaster. Sports then. broadcaster, kind of. Sure. 
person. That's very fascinating to me here. So I don't know. And then McEnroe did the other two. He did uh, UK and US. Um, the UK version, very interesting as well. Because, um, oh my God, I'm looking at the iWorks catalog for the chair. Oh, geez. When they're pitching the show, throughout the game must keep their heart on their red line or lose facing the money they've won. Yeah, I remember this. Oh my God, the one sheets are. You can see the, the original one sheet for the chair. What? I feel like. I feel like I'm in watching pitches for this chair format. Hey, hey, look at me. I'm John Macro. I'm going to point at you. Look at that. The chair. You've seen this chair. There's John Macro. Have you got the heart? Nope. This is the iWorks uh, one sheet from iWorks.tv. There's no hiding what's really going on inside these quiz show contenders because the human heart can't lie when you're in the chair. <laughs> Each contender takes the chair, fitted with a heart monitor, and prepares to answer the questions that can win them a fortune. But to win, they must keep their racing heart under control while answering those questions. If their heart betrays what's going on inside, their money starts going backwards. There's no hiding the truth when it comes to the beating of the human heart. Just seven general knowledge questions and two rapid-fire heart-stopper rounds lie between the contender and a fortune in a special effects extravaganza. To win takes hu- superhuman control to overcome your beating heart, the fire red line rate, and answer quiz questions correctly all at the same time. They made 13 episodes in the U.S., 10 in the U.K., 10 in New Zealand. Now, that, now wait a minute. Now, that's what I'm looking at. It says 15 countries. Was it really in 15 countries? 15 countries, yeah. I didn't realize it was in that many countries. Uh, Let's see. If I can go off the top of my head here. Uh, Jordan, list off all the countries where the chair is. You may, <laughs> you may answer not the answer question. the question. <laughs> you may answer the question. Uh, uh, okay. I, 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 I see the list here. I'm giving you the list, Chris. Here's the list of all the countries. I'm, I'm looking. Let me see. You're seeing the screen right now. You're seeing where all the countries yes. are. Yes. All right. I, I scroll it. All right. I'm, I'm being honest to the audience. I'm looking away from the cam- from the computer. Uh, United States. United Kingdom, New yes. Zealand, because uh, yes. we got those three established. Uh, right, there were two more established. French in Germany. That's correct. Now, now it's going to get tougher. I think there was a South Korean version. Yes, there was, and their Japanese version because I think those were the two paired Asians. Yep. Uh, there had to be a South American country one, probably. Uh, I'm going to say Chile. Was there one in Chile? There was not. Oh, no, I lost to the chair. <laughs> you are done. Uh, what, what, what was it? What did I okay. Miss? Let's see. Uh, Arab, Arab world. world. Austria, Bulgaria, France, Germany, Greece, Japan, Mexico, New Zealand, Russia, South Korea, Spain, Thailand, and Turkey, as well as UK, US. Well, I kind of got close there. Wow. Um, that's why it's game shows. Suppose that you, game shows I know. Can uh, you imagine the Russian version? Uh, it's just uh, I, I would not want to watch that version. I might be considered a Russian asset in that case. <laughs> uh, so it, it's it's kind of bizarre to me that the show had a little bit. Of, it still has a bit of a cult phenomenon to it because I think of that chair with a little heart that beeps and little lights and the little wires. And I'm guessing that's where the heart signal because there has to be some way they got the detection. Because Thousand Heartbeats, when we talked about it, was a wireless heartbeat. Right. 2002 technology tells me this was probably connected to the chair. 
Uh, more than likely. It was probably, uh, it was probably some kind of a sensor somewhere, or they may have been wearing something, uh, they may have been wearing, they may be, they may have been wearing, you know, like what they wear in a hospital. You know, you couldn't really tell. Because they were had to wear the, uh, shirt. All right, let's see here. Right. The host of the Russian version is Fedor Bontarchuk. Wow, dude, this dude looks like a badass. Oh my god, this guy looks like he would rip your head off and feed it to you. I would not want to mess with that guy uh, if I was. What is? He, but what was he before? He had to have been an athlete. Let's see. Born in Moscow, of actresses, a student of VGIK, which was cinematography school. Film director. You are uh, kidding. He became a breakthrough as an actor in a dual role in the 1999 cult film Eight and a Half Dollar Sign. Uh, and then he was in Down House. Film producer with the film In Motion in 2002. He won the 2003 TFI Award for the Best Host of Entertainment TV Show. So I'm guessing he did TV work then as like I do film stuff. He also d- directed his debut from The Ninth Company based on real events during the Afghan War of 79 to 89. Filming process took place in Crimea, it looks like. That is interesting. You just want to see, like, where does it say the chair host? <laughs> he hosted the chair in 2000-something. By the looks of things, he is uh, one of those intense director kind of types. So I'm guessing that's why he uh, did... Oh, he's a popular television host in Russia. He's about the world of cinema in, in Russia. So a pop culture guy. So he's one of those hosts that's a host. Right. Remember that? Remember back in the day when it, to be a host, you had to be a host? Remember those? I miss those yes. days. Oh, well. It happens. Let me hit share that. But uh, with where it is, with where it is now, though, the chair, I mean, think about where we are in the world of game shows these days. Because the way I look at it past the chair, we now have Mental Samurai, which has kind of become the rebooted version of the chair. In True. Way. Because they sit in a chair, it spins them around, and then they answer questions. Uh, you had things like ejector seat in the UK, where if they're wrong, they get thrown out. Uh, you had you had shows like 1000 Heartbeats, which took the heart monitor concept and span on it. Uh, the, heart, the visual puzzles were mental samurai, now I think about it. List questions. This is a fascinating concept here, that the chair, as much of a, I would say, say a failed format did spark a lot of modern game show tropes to this day. I would say, I would agree with you. I would agree with you on that. It's not really one worth reviving, but it's one that's worth looking back on for a multitude of reasons. Well, definitely for historical purposes. One, historical purposes. Two, it's 2002, and did you know Drew Carey's show is still on the air and a brand new episode is airs Wednesday nights? Listen, when we were uh, watching these, I just couldn't get over the commercials because I mean, it's hard to believe that these were 18 years ago. I this mean, was on, like live Ray- that day had- of KBC7, yeah. and there yeah, was like Ray- the Pizone Radio with Tommy Shack. Davidson. And we had Radio Shack. Radio Shack with Howie Long. Uh, and we had um, uh, Tommy Lasorda for Glad Bags. Remember that Zoom, Zoom, Zoom? <laughs> uh, a Gordita at Taco Bell. <laughs> Back when that was a new option, the Gordita. And and, yes, and don't forget a don't don't forget about the uh, what was what was it a uh, pizza the P zone the P zone with Tommy Davidson over one pound of delicious flavor it stuffed it, into it, crust. It's the pizza that eats like a sandwich. It was <laughs> so 
it was the most bizarre flashback. And then we cut right back to here's John McEnroe behind that red velvet background with the light bulbs <laughs> that looked like a sultry nightclub. And don't forget, you have to watch Millionaire on ABC. So, a college edition. It was so weird seeing like Millionaire promos during the chair. <laughs> Because they're doing, and then we saw promos for the chair too, and it was like, look at these people, they're going through crazy game show format, and it's like, here comes the like, hammers spanging into each other. (laughs) And there's so many weird things about this show that it's just, I still can't comprehend. (laughs) And and for such a short-lived show, it makes you wonder so much. It's the, the, the... if I had to break, I like it's tough to break down a lot of this stuff. Quarter million dollars was the top prize. Okay, that I will, I will vouch. Like maybe they were going like, okay, well, if it's the, our original format's fifty thousand times it by five, so it's a big money game show. That makes sense. Um, but then they went into like different kind of changes, the the snakes and spiders, because maybe because Fear Factor kind of was around the same time. That so. was around the same time, yeah. So they're taking that. They're taking, let's get John McEnroe to host and be a mean person because of Ian Robinson. Uh, they had the audience supporter in the green room. <laughs> you know what it is? This was just the epiphany of early 2000s culture all around. A lot of uh, feathered hair. All that, all that was missing was the consolation prize being Beanie Babies. If, if it's not Beanie Babies, an MP3 player that's not an iPod. <laughs> Or no, hey, a digital camera. Thing- a digital hey, camera. Without a screen. Without the screen from Vivitar. Uh, there's, there's like, it was such, or uh, lots of fake desktop background. You know, that weird desktop icon that was all the rage for a while there? Oh, yeah. It was all yep. rounded and somehow smooth at the same time yep. and glossy. Yep. Uh, go to myzine.biz.net. <laughs> uh, what? And... This was 2002, right? If I'm not mistaken, yeah. I got to double check real quick. Too. Just just to be on the safest of safe side. Because this was 2002, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. Yes. This was still at the time when Millionaire was in its heyday. That there was the Who Wants to Be a Millionaire play it at Disneyland in uh, Disney World. Oh, yes. I'd forgotten that. Uh, Disney, uh. Who Wants to Be a Millionaire play it? Hollywood Studios opened in 2001 into 2006 closing date opening date in the california adventure park 2001 to 2004 so if it was 2002 millionaire play would still be around imagine if you will this was the show that was gonna take out millionaire (laughs) imagine the the chair play at home experience at disneyland my god i could picture that actually just the the ring of fire I could see. I could see the rotating platform, the spinning chair rotating three like a hunt, like the full circle. But like, it's like if you were, it's like if you were playing Who Wants to Be a Millionaire on Space Mountain. And it's like that's not that's not at all what makes it great. Like it's <laughs> I think what made it great was the questions were okay. They weren't really trying to go for millionaire. They were kinda of going to more like the eight thousand dollar level of millionaire questions. Mm-hmm. But it was still well, a that level of, the, of well, well, a lot of the questions on the chair were more um, pop culture, like yeah, it's pop culture or current event, right? Which was trying to be like, okay, if you can figure out like what happened in nineteen ninety eight, you should be okay. 
I can barely remember what happened last week. Well, uh, politics happened, and uh, you would be pleasantly surprised uh, between Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders. Uh, Donald Trump is still president. Anyway, uh, who wants to be a millionaire uh, became a staple of mainstream game shows. Well, the chair. Okay, um, you know the way that you, <laughs> the way that you just said that. I have to go back for a minute. Okay, there was a one episode game show special called "Since You've Been Gone." Since you've been gone, yes. Do you want me to talk could, about that for a second? Could you imagine if you were like deprived of all news media for like about a week or two? In the past three weeks, you would not believe half of this shit. Yeah, that Since You've Been Gone was a... Okay, first of all, because I'm pretty sure you know what the show is, but I got to look at the... Since You've Been Gone was a Fox one-off game show from 2000, I believe it was 2001, I'm about to say, 2001, maybe 2000 solid. I think, I know that, I think it was, I want to say 2003, I know it was after 9-11. Yeah, so it was... Basically, four people were taken out, put into one of those like Big Brother homes or the call from the outside world, and then they would return and then get asked questions about current events, which kind of became the bubble in the UK. Uh, whoever got the most points at the end of the final round uh, won a trip around the world. Which I think that's a great trip anyway, but I think that's a great prize. It was only one episode, and I thought it was an interesting format. I thought uh, it was, Elemental I thought Productions it was cool... made that, by the way. I thought it was a cool concept. Well, it's a cool... You should check out the bubble then. Uh, that, that was basically a British panel game show, but the same format of lock them in isolation and then quiz them on the week's news. Hmm. I see a future podcast in our future. Well, I'll be in the next episode then. Your sense you've been gone or uh, or the bubble. So, um, before... So, is what's the other takeaways from the chair? Because I think that's about it. Uh there really isn't like a way to make a home game of it. There's really no way to make a video game of it. Well, like I said, with uh, Thousand Heartbeats, you know, I'm sure with the technology, with the uh, with the uh, like Apple Watch and stuff that can take your pulse, I'm sure there's something that they could have been. That, I'm sure there's something that could have been done. At least now, not back then. But uh, I don't know. But are you ready for I the mean, final the question, tech- Chris? I think I am. All right. I, I need to sit in the chair for a bit. Here we go. I need you to list any four consoles from Nintendo. Any four consoles by Nintendo, you may answer the question. Switch. Dude. NES. You may not answer the question. You are redlining right now. Gotta calm down now. You gotta calm down. You may answer the question. Virtual Boy. You may not answer the question. You may not answer the question. I will repeat the question. Name any four Nintendo consoles. You gotta stay calm. You got you remain calm. Name any four Nintendo consoles. You may answer the question. N sixty four. You you got it. <laughs> See, I know how to play this. As soon as you start saying you may, I'm like, that's it, beep. <laughs> you you did it. But unfortunately you redlined enough that you can only get a quarter of a plug. <laughs> a quarter of a plug? Yeah, so get ready. And plug. Uh Thank you so much for stopping. No, uh, go on. Let's go get a full plug. (laughs) Uh, To be perfectly honest, I don't really have much to plug. The only thing that I can say is that uh, the radio shows are going strong, at least this week, unless Corona takes over. But other than that, uh, Retro Game Network at RetroGameNetwork.com. That's about what I can plug this time around. Uh, Like usual. Uh, Check out the Retro Game Network for 
music and fun and modern games. E3 is not going to happen, but hey, you know, there's now that Lego Mario. <laughs> I cannot believe E3 is not happening. I think that's a first. I, I mean, do you want we can do a mock E3 right now? Uh, PlayStation 5 coming out this year. Retails for 499 US and then, dollars. And we'll then we got the Xbox uh, Tower of Terror. Uh, we'll have a one terabyte hard drive at launch. Uh, pro version will have Solid a two state. terabyte hard drive coming out later Solid in 2021. Uh, Xbox VR too. Xbox Elite or whatever is that new version. Xbox also gets announced uh, one week prior to PlayStation launch. New Forza game uh, will be a launch title as well as the new Halo. And don't forget the launch of the Ouya 2. Uh, Ouya 2 will be in the works. Uh, everyone's favorite, you know, Google Glass returns. And don't forget uh, PSVR 3. When that comes out, that's going to be embedded right into your brain. With the iToy, iToy enabled, uh, and your and your hands will be replaced by the move controllers themselves, like Captain Hook with a ball. Imagine your hands being move controllers. The future is now. The future is here. Nintendo Switch. And don't forget Soylent Green's people. Soylent. This episode's brought to you by Soylent. Soylent, drink your protein. Absolutely. Chris, thanks again for stopping by. <laughs> It's always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. I always have a great time. Looking forward to the next one. Thanks again to Chris for stopping by. Chris is one of the best people we have here on the show. Always love like a quirky game show for weird mechanic. Call Chris up. He'll be there. Uh, <laughs> one of the best. Uh, currently in a world of hurt right now because he works at a hospital so all the COVID-19 stuff going on has just knocked him out. And it's just, I can feel that. I, that's, that is one of the worst things to feel is that sadness that it's almost that weird mix of quiet mixed with somber mixed with, is this the time? Is this the time? What is, what isn't as this pandemic uh, hits, not just America, but the entire world. Uh, so not just thanks Chris for, for stopping by here, but for all the things you're doing to help a lot of people out. Um, you're one of the heroes. Good job. You, and that's it. (laughs) Right. That's what we do. We just clap. You're a hero and then do nothing. Thank you. First responders and then turn our backs when they need actual help. Uh, but yeah, thanks again, Chris, uh, the chair, one of the quirkiest game shows, something that it's, it's always been on the back of my mind. How did this show? Why did this show? It's a fascinating format, and it's always weird to look back on and going, oh, that was a show. And then seeing like that, that ticking clock of the money clock as the hearts drop, and then you just feel gutted when you know they flatline out to nothing. Um, but... That's going to do it for our just a section of the chair. Now it's time for a 110-part series exploring every pricing game from The Price is Right. This is the Pricing Game Spotlight. Tuh. Oh, 
fuck, I hope I'm not getting sick again. Um, damn it, should I just start over? I'm seeing dots right now. Like, I'm doing that thing where you gag, and then, like, well, it's like little mini floating dots or flies or buzzards are just flying around you. Um, oh, yeah, we're doing Pricing Game Spotlight. Uh, split Decision. Uh, premiere date, November 9th, 1995, 97240D. Finale date, January 16th, 1997, 0214K. I swear if I'm getting sick, I'll be pissed. All right. <clears throat> Split Decision was super confusing pricing game. It was. Oh, jeez, it was. Um, which offered a car any three-digit price worth anywhere between $300 and $999. The contestant was shown a row of eight digits, which represent a five-digit price of the car in a three-digit price of the other prize. The prices were in order within the string, but not necessarily side-by-side. Side. So the contestant had to pull three digits down from the first row to leave the car's price in the top row. Understand? Three digits on the bottom, car on the top. Uh, so the other price on the bottom doing so won both prizes. Contestant was given 20-second time limit in which to find the correct prizes. When the clock started, the contestant had to pull three numbers from the top row down and press a button to stop the clock. The prices were checked, and if they were not correct, uh, the contestants were reset, and the clock was started again for the contestant to repeat the process. If the contestant did not find the correct prices when the clock hit zero, they did not win the prizes. The clock was removed from the game on May 24, 1996. The contestant said it was given just three chances to guess the correct prices after only two planes under this format. The original format returned to June 5th and lasted until the game was retired. Toward the end of the game's life, Contestant did not pull down the three digits in the smaller price. Barker let the digits they were and did not reset them. This proved to help the games more than just starting from scratch and resulted in a slightly better win percentage before the game's retirement in 1997. Split Decision received its first win November 24th, 1995, 9742D. One noble play occurred May 16th, 1996. Turn playing. Two numbers fell off their num markers, the second of the first attempt, and during one attempt, the clock froze. After the first number fell off, Barker attempted to replace the number. When that failed, he threw the number out onto the stage to laughter. Unfortunately, the game ended in a loss. The clock also froze once the first playing, and another playing from April 8th, 1996. On November 18th, 1996, Teresa was confused on how to play, pulling down four numbers and trying to get help from Bob and pushing one number back. Spending 16 seconds on her first attempt, she did, however, manage to win the game. On the game's final playing, contestant Jason guessed the price of a dishwasher was $512 twice in a row. Actual price was $529. Most number of times the playing season was 26. Split decision is similar any number, one away, two for price of one race game, and safe crackers. Retirement. Split decision was retired due to its confusing rules. Throughout its one and a half seasons in the rotation, the game's win ratio was 50%. For the time it appeared, the game was played more frequently than any number. Another game that uses the same prize combination. However, unlike any number, both prizes can be won and the numbers can repeat. On the UK's Bruce's Price is Right, it was played using seven numbers. And it was played for a four-digit car and a three-digit prize. In this version... The top prize represented the three-digit price, and the bottom prize represented the car. Therefore, the contestant to pull four numbers down for the price. Ah, it's so confusing. It was such a confusing game. I like Split Decision, by the way. I think if you were going to revisit this game, and I think it's it's it could be revisited. I think you would stop the the uh, the dramatic reveal and stop the clock after every attempt, and just make it straight up like bonkers, where it's the you pull it down, you hear a, 
if it's wrong and then if it's right you hear the ding 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 do 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 and you win the car i think if you just make it fast paced that would be fun um additionally i think you shouldn't do a three-digit car i think it should just be like the three mistakes should be just pulled off so that way you can knock out a zero for instance uh or or something more fascinating instead of just a three-digit prize and instead maybe build it up a bank like it's 20 seconds right so why don't you get 15 seconds of time and then to add five seconds of time in the split decision game uh here's three small prizes and you gotta determine what is the price like uh like like where does it go kind of like in joker I think like a Joker style rule because I like the Joker format of like, is it 65 or 52 kind of thing? Uh, something where you can push it like, or actually no, it's master key. Master key is of like 41 or 12 and you split one number off by dropping it and that determines if you're right or wrong. I like that idea for split decision and just do that again for this and uh, just like you and just like have the buzzer and everything. So the contestant could just wander around trying to win the car because I don't think there is a racing game for the car yet. You have Switcheroo, which is a car game on the clock. You have Time is Money, which can be played for $20,000, which is a lot of money. But other than that, you don't have like a figure out the combination game using a five-digit car and three missing digits. That I think that could be it. And all you got to do is make it really safe, like make it so it's like almost like a push pad, like you can just slap it down uh, or, or something where you can just tap a button, and like wipe out something like that would be easier <laughs> to understand here. Um, I think that would be uh, where I would go. I think split decision is a confusing, boring game, but I think it's because they didn't go for a frantic bonkers like approach for the game. They went for a more stop the clock. Hi, is this right? No, go again. I I think if he just went with like a here's twenty, like here's your thirty seconds, go. You would see a lot more fun with this game. Uh, that's why I do kind of like the idea of this game. It was just kind of a, a little bit of a confusing rule format and a little too too uh too weird for audiences. That's why they got confused. Next time on the Pricing Games Spotlight, we're going on a spending spree. So now we approach the millionaire part of the show. Uh, a couple of things happened in the world of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Uh, one of the iconic game shows, we've talked about that before in the past. Uh, lots of laughs happened with Rich. Uh, and, and it was a fun show. I mean, I, I still am gutted. I could never go on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire play it. I wanted to be on that. Um, but it happens. Uh, anyway, two things happened in the world of Millionaire. One, uh, Quiz came out on ITV, a three-part mini-series event uh, that's going to probably air on AMC in probably a couple of months from now. Uh, and, a, so, and then Who Wants to Be a Millionaire returned on ABC. Uh, after a long time, and I figure it's a time to review both of those, sort of, kind of, just, you know, second segment, right? Um, anyway, uh, first things first, we'll talk about Quiz. Uh, Quiz is a three-part series with Michael Sheen playing Chris Tarrant, and it's about the creation of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, and then the Charles Ingram quiz show scandal that happened in Britain. 
so as of the time of this recording, uh, only the first two episodes came out. Uh, I saw both of those. I have the third one loaded up, ready to go. I should have probably watched it uh, before recording this final part. Uh, I can kind of guess where they're steering the the, sh- the narrative for this. Um, and they want to make it tragedy. They want to make it a heartbreaking thing. And they want to make it seem like everything's kind of sketchy here. Uh, so quiz is about the creation with Celador on the creation once be a millionaire a lot of game show references bullseyes reference 15 to one's referenced uh i think every second counts got referenced also mastermind like if you love game shows this is like the game show drama that was like i guess almost catered to me in terms of how do you make a british game show drama and i like it in that regard uh, because when you see the Cash and Mountain pilot, you go, this is hokey as shit. <laughs> and then you realize, this was Millionaire. <laughs> and that's what happened. And it's funny. Um, the creation of Millionaire, you know, big event television, which I've been saying, like, Millionaire is an event game show. It's not a weekly game show. It needs to be presented as, like, the Jeopardy Grace of all time. It's every night for four nights, five nights, six nights, whatever. And... The, to see the the creation of the show and, and they omitted things like they omitted the ask the host lifeline was originally a, an idea in the first like sketched writing of wants be a millionaire uh the penny to a million with 21 questions was omitted uh they uh they talked about the phone but then didn't explain why they got rid of the phone um the creation of 50 fit like some of this stuff was like omitted and i think purposefully because they just want to get straight to the charles ingram stuff you see the story of like uh ingram's uh wife and her brother and the brother wanted to be a millionaire so badly created the fake little uh signaling device to practice uh desperate to be on the show and then like getting into so much debt because it's not a toll free number it is a cost number that's how you recoup the wins and that was the idea made by a Celador guy to recoup the losses when you're giving away 125,000 pounds or quarter million pounds on these questions uh that it became a, a, an interesting look and it's like well because they're in debt now the, the wife is going to play the show to try and win they both get 32,000 now it's Charles's turn to be the millionaire and then you see him in the hot seat. He hates games. Sh- like he, to him, he doesn't want to be on game shows. He hates game shows. But he's he's been on game shows before. He's been on. He's been. He's afterwards. He was in the Hell's Kitchen. Uh, he he. I think he was like one of those people that was on the on the sheet for Celebrity Big Brother. Even like what the hell? Um, so they're kind of skewing the contestant to being a tragic character. Like he doesn't like quizzes. He doesn't like game shows. He's a military man. He's a real hero. And, it, and like, who was just con into this by the wife and the brother to do this. And it's like, oh, really? That's okay. That's what they're rolling with. Okay. And then they have to go into an Celador guy because if he didn't make the toll number, like two pounds per call, uh, you wouldn't make the guy in debt forcing this to happen. And it's just like, oh, Jesus that I like quiz in a fabricated world of what created the incident, but some parallels don't really click. 
acting is fine. The drama is there. But it feels like they wanted to tell two different stories with Quiz. They wanted to tell either how the show came to become a big uh, powerhouse game show that's a global phenomenon and then the tragedy of Charles Ingram. Like, they wanted Charles Ingram to be a tragic character rather than the guy who got a million pounds off a game show and lied to the British public about it. Uh, and that's kind of the weird thing with the show. And I, I think, like, there's something you could have done with this, but it's not really there. I thought this was going to be, like, quiz show all over again. Like, this is the guy who figured out the code, do the cough code, do the this. And instead, I don't know. <laughs> I feel like, if anything, I would rather see a lot more uh, tragedies in the world of how game shows got created now. I want to see, like, some guy drinking at a pub, throwing darts at the wall, going, this could be a game show. <laughs> I want to see, like, the creation of Take Your Pick with the tin boxes and then see how that got rebooted over and over again. Like something like that sounds like a more fascinating look than um, the Charles Ingram incident. I feel like they wanted this to be the millionaire uh, rags to riches story, and then have Ingram be the like the final part that starts to s shut down the production, and it becomes a tragedy with Celador Media. You see conflict with Disney. You see conflict with uh, other countries. And it didn't happen. And I mean, like, I'm not saying, like, I don't know what the third part is, but I'm going to assume it's going to be trial stuff. It's going to be, here's the evidence. Here's what we know. A big theatrical lawyer scene. Uh, and then we see him losing his million, the fine. And we see Millionaire continues to be a successful game show to this day. A rebooted happened in 2018, hosted... <sighs> And it's probably because like they're gonna bring up Clarkson. Probably are they gonna bring up Clarkson? I don't know. Um, speaking of which, uh, the Clarkson version is basically what they were going for with the celebrity who wants to be a millionaire of Kimmel. Uh, so I watched the new Who Wants to Be a Millionaire in America. Uh, I I will now flat out say it. Boy, that was boring. I like Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Don't get me wrong. I love Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. There is drama. It needs to be... But the reason I like Millionaire is it needs to be an event, and it needs to be drama with real people. If you can get people who are working class, not middle class, not upper middle class, working class to be a contestant on this show, and then like sweat over a sports question for $64,000... That's what makes the good show. It's the risk-reward factor with big money that means a lot to people because then it's everyday people have the chance to win the money and then you feel like, oh, this is a big influential show. Amazing how this works. When it's a celebrity edition playing for charity, it it's okay, but it sounds to me like whoever was the ABC exec that decided to checkmark who wants to be a millionaire really wanted celebrity millionaire they wanted that celebrity who wants to be a millionaire when they had norm mcdonald on and drew carey and music stars they wanted that they did not want classic regis philbin john carpenter for a million dollars is that your final answer they don't want that 
They wanted Kimmel with celebrities playing Who Wants to Be a Millionaire for charity. With they and, and the reason I'm thinking that is because the rule set is they now bring someone along with them for the first ten questions. So they're trying to come up with like the celebrity millionaire heckle row where they all say what the answer is to help the contestant out get to thirty two. And then once they get to thirty two thousand, they're on their own. Because that's the rule of celebrity millionaire. Basically the first ten questions are irrelevant until we get to thirty two thousand. Which I will now say is a big problem with who wants to be a millionaire. It's if the you're giving away thirty two thousand no matter what to these celebrities and their charities, just throw them into the thirty two thousand dollar category right now. Uh, save save the save the drama until we get to that point. There's no need for these ten questions. Save the writers some time. They're not telling jokes. They're just saying be final answer. Move along. Move the show's pace because what this was was just agonizing to watch and i like who wants to be a millionaire just gonna keep this i like who wants to be a millionaire with no audience though kimmel also suffered as a host because something tells me jimmy kimmel agreed to do this show because he loves working with an audience he's a funny guy he's a comedian jimmy kimmel live tell jokes in front of an audience when it's just the celebrity, the celebrity guest, and then like PAs and stage managers having to applaud and, and laugh like it's the soup, he feels jaded. He feels like, well, this isn't really what I wanted to do. I think he agreed to do Millionaire because he was probably told this is going to be uh, a reboot of Millionaire. You're the new Regis. You're the Regis for the new generation. You're the new generation Regis Philbin everyday people it's it's, so it's like he goes from being the celebrity talk show host to talking to real people and now he's back to talking to celebrities again and i think that also bothered him as well with no audience and you're talking to uh celebrities not civilians you got nothing to really work with here uh that and kimmel is trying his best to do the final answer are you sure I know this, it's succession, and smiling and trying to keep the pace going. He has been a game show host. He hosted Win Ben Stein's Money. He's great at game show hosting. Sometimes he hosts a bad show like a Set for Life. This had the same boring Kimmel as Set for Life instead of the Win Ben Stein's Money Kimmel we know and love and expected him to do for this. Um... And I don't think that's his fault. I do not think Kimmel is at fault for this one. I think it is, simply put, they had to do the show. It's like a, well, we have to keep the show going. We have to do this. So let's do Celebrity Millionaire with the guests. And we are expecting an audience to laugh at this. I'm trying to picture like if they had the audience in mind laughing with like, Cohen and and Anderson Cooper would that really have been funny or getting Will Forte and his dad like like would that really elicit laughter from the crowd I don't think so I don't think it would even before coronavirus hit like I don't think they would have found this amusing they would have been like what the what's this um and seeing the show it's like, this is Millionaire, like classic Millionaire, 50-50, phone a friend. But instead of ask the audience, they decided to do ask, 
the host, which is the fourth lifeline in the UK version. You get phone a friend, ask the audience, uh, uh, phone a friend, 50-50, and then ask Jeremy Clarkson. You have your four lifelines. They don't have ask the audience. They just have asked the host. So they say, well, that's the three lifelines. Because ask the audience is no longer uh, here because there's no audience, you could ask the host. And I thought, that's a cop-out. Something tells me they originally had Ask the Host as a fourth lifeline for the show, and they scrapped it for right now. And they, it doesn't matter because they are already playing the the fly away to $32,000 game show with the bring your supporter thing in, just so they can have the big twist being at the 10th level, which is the lock in the $32,000. You can now dump one of the lifelines to f- ask your friend again, basically being a plus one. Uh, so, so it's the syndicated millionaire plus one rule again. And I thought, Oh no, they're complicating up millionaire now. Don't complicate millionaire. Don't do the sacrifice a lifeline to do a lifeline because then you're just making strategy upon strategy and it makes the game not that interesting. And then they did that and I went, oh no, I don't like. And I just, to me, that, like, when you see things like that, when you see Kimmel start to lose interest, when you see no audience and you see them trying to tell jokes and laugh. When you're trying to play along and it's just like, well, none of this really matters. They're getting 32,000. These are celebrities from big popular sitcoms and movies, like not civilians. There's no real uh, rooting, shall we say, for these contestants. Uh, that it hits every wrong note for Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. This is the how not to do millionaire, similar to the syndicated millionaire. Syndicated Millionaire flopped because they put it on every day in syndication and they never got to that million dollar question because you can't afford to give out a million dollars on a million dollar question on a syndicated game show. So for something like Who Wants to Be a Millionaire that's on a prime time where you have a budget and you could give away this because you're guaranteeing 32000 for charities, you're not even excited if they play for a quarter million or 500000 because... You're expecting them to get to that level um, because of all the lifelines that they got. That it's also not millionaire at that point. When people think millionaire, they think the fastest finger, go in, 50-50, ask the audience, phone a friend. And they're switching things out, and it's becoming that uh, no one knows what the real rules for millionaire are. And it's disjointed. And I think by continuing this, rather it's a clock format, a shuffle format, 14 questions, 15 questions, audiences will start to lose interest in millionaire faster and faster. And you do not want this with a prestigious game show quiz show format like this. They should have done civilians. They should have just done Clarks and millionaire. Just made it 15 questions to a million bucks, same prize tree. If they wanted to do a 32000 uh, safe haven, go right ahead. And then do 50-50, phone a friend, ask the audience. If they wanted to change phone a friend to phone Jimmy or whatever, do so. But ask the host was a good lifeline addition to the show. Uh, but that fastest finger is important. Civilian contestants were important. And they need to make this an event. They need to make this three nights in a row, four nights in a row. 
not see you next Wednesday for a new episode of Million cuz you don't millionaire doesn't work in that regard and i think when it comes to millionaire when it first started it was because of that hype they're trying to give away a million dollars they're trying to give away a million pounds this is uh, this is outrageous this is dramatic this is outside of the box of every game show everything is bright and colorful this is serious and dark and now we're in a world where every game show is shiny floor game dark light dramatic lighting million dollar grand prize that you lose that interest and it's like i don't want that especially in something like millionaire where you're the whole purpose of this good game show is you see people they're everyday people in your country americans canadians british people they work as plumbers they work at, at, at the supermarket and they're getting asked everyday questions general knowledge of course it gets tougher for bigger than money and you're seeing them squirm under the pressure with the lights the music everything and that's what makes the show work and now that every game show is trying to copy millionaire every game show is trying to figure out what's the tricks of the trade that made it work the secret to millionaire was it was outrageous for its time and it was the million dollars at a time when no one gave away a million dollars. And it was an event. After those four episodes, you do not see it for another eight months. And ABC has yet to figure that out. It's not celebrities that are the hook to the game. It's not the questions that are hooked to the game. No one gives a shit what Snoop Dogg knows. That is not the game show. Snoop Dogg is good when he's hosting a game show. The Joker's wild. Not make him a contestant on a game show. Because that's a fault you see time and time again when it comes to game shows going into celebrity editions. Audiences don't really want celebrities to do the questions. They want to see civilians. They want that aspiration because when they watch, they want to put themselves into that podium. They don't want to see themselves just as the audience member watching in. They want to see themselves calling on the celebrity, trying to fill in the gap and see if they can match the celebrity. Wordplay with a celebrity on Pyramid. The only time it works with a celebrity is when it's family feud. And the only reason that is what it is is because it's a game show played mostly for laughs rather than serious tension. And that makes it a laid-back, play-along, fill-out-the-survey-with-the-contestants. And time and time again, it doesn't work. This iteration of Millionaire, it's boring. It's not fun. No audience makes this not fun. Kimmel does not look like he wants to be there. That also makes it not fun. Seeing the questions, they're the questions. Thumbs up. Seeing the prize tree, thumbs up. Seeing lifelines, thumbs up. The music package, thumbs up. The lighting kits, thumbs up. The set, thumbs up. Everything is good. But it's not clicking because celebrity contestants and someone at ABC did not think this through of what made Millionaire so popular back in the day. You needed to treat Millionaire like it was Jeopardy Grace of all time in event television. Five nights, everyday people pulled from all across the country, flown to Los Angeles to play for $1 million. That's it. <laughs> like That's all you have to do. And they couldn't figure that out. And to make matters worse, then I look in social media and what I'm seeing is, well, I just got laid off. 
I work as a bartender. I work as a hairstylist. I work in a clothing store. I own a clothing store. Uh, I have no source of income now, and now I'm going to watch somebody who's making millions of dollars on a sitcom play for $64,000, something that I could be using right now, but nope, I'm going to watch this and feel even more miserable about myself. Because that's what I'm seeing time and time again on social media when it comes to Millionaire, which is why you don't do a celebrity edition. And to me, that is the biggest offense to this. I get the need. Celebrity Millionaire was funny in the 1990s. I get it. No, I get it. Like, hey, remember when Drew Carey won half a million dollars on the show? That was fun. Norm MacDonald was good. That was fun. We don't want celebrity millionaire. We want civilian millionaire. We want to see everyday people play. We want this to be an event. If this was played in isolation, even if it was just two people and it was a civilian and Kimmel in the dark set, no audience, or he made Ask the Audience uh, an internet poll through Twitter during a taping day, go for it. But no. Instead, what we have seen is all the wrong notes done on Millionaire played again. The only good thing to come out of this is they did not bring back the clock. You let them talk out the question. You let them tell a story if they need to. B, final answer. C, final answer. Because that's all you need. And... I'm not feeling good to watch who wants to be a millionaire, especially if it's on at 10 p.m. at night. Millionaire is supposed to be primetime 8 p.m. spot. This is the spot for the kids and the moms and the dads getting together and watch the damn show. Putting it at 10 p.m., it's a curse. I get it. Modern Family was a big show. Not working. They need to reschedule this show fast. They need to either put this on like Monday through Friday at 8 o'clock every night for the next five nights or figure out how to make this accommodate the people who are feeling most miserable right now because currently they're in a financial hardship and seeing this show with celebrities going, oh man, my charity, they're thinking about themselves right now. This was not a good time to play this game. You either have to hold off and put this during summer fun and games or not. If it was me, by the way, if this was me making the shot, I would put Pressure Luck on right now instead of Millionaire. Uh, and put Millionaire in the Summer Funny Game spot. But it happens. Um, oh, well. Uh, who wants to be a millionaire? One of my favorite game shows wasn't really that good in the U.S. I feel heartbroken saying that. But I know it can get better. And I hope if they get the call back to do another season, they can do it right with an audience, with fastest finger, with everyday people playing. Because this, this wasn't it. And that's how means we are out of time. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, be sure to check me out on Twitter at Jordha, J-O-R-D-H-A on Twitter. Uh, this podcast is available on Google Play. We are available on Spotify. We are on Apple Podcasts. Do the whole rate and review system. And let me know over on Facebook.com slash Game Shows Podcast. What, what next game show do you want me to talk about? I want to I know. 
We have so many game shows left to to discuss, and I, I can't wait to go through them all. So so let me know. You know, it could be past, it could be present, could be international. It doesn't matter. As long as there's a game show, this podcast will somehow still be around. Uh, be sure to check out more content over at patreon.com slash jordanhaas. Uh, and until then, thank you so much for sitting down with us, for enjoying the chair, and join me next week when I'll talk about another great game show, I suppose. Until then, big smooch. Mwah!